1: What does it mean to be saved? It looks very, very funny, but it looks very uh, elementary, but uh, we want to be able to make sure that we are grounded in the Word of God. So there is a particular picture that is supposed to be on the screen right now, okay? And this guy is called Al Capone. For those of us who understand a little bit about the American gangster history, you will know who this guy is, okay? Al Capone, Chicago uh, Underworld uh, gangster boss. Now, assuming I, uh, Al Capone is still very much alive. Let's assume Al Capone is alive. He died a long time ago. Well, assuming he's still alive. And I decide to go to him. And I say, Mr. Capone, you need to be born again. How many of you are going to be surprised that I, you know, that, that kind of message is being preached to Al Capone? Most Christians will not be surprised because they will assume that, okay, Capone needs to be born again. He needs to change his way. He needs to ascend the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Okay? Now, assuming that we move to the next guy on the screen, this guy is Billy Graham, and I go to North Carolina and I go to him and I say, Mr Graham, you need to be born again a lot of people look at me and say, Something is wrong with you guys. This is supposed to be the king you know, the, 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 the king of the jungle when it comes to when it comes to evangelism here is a man who knows everything that you need to know about being born again okay most people will look at me and say what is wrong with you why would you be telling somebody like Billy Graham that he needs to be born again but that is exactly what we can picture when the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to Nicodemus and told him Mr Nicodemus you need to be born again okay the Bible tells us in John chapter 3 that we read John chapter 3 reading from verse number 1 it said there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus A ruler of the Jew this man came to Jesus by night and said to him rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him if you now look at verse number three Jesus now responded in a very very unusual way Jesus answered and said unto him most assuredly I say to you unless a man unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God Many of us have read the stories in the scripture where we see this guy called Zacchaeus, the tax collector. We've heard about the woman, the the thief on the cross, that particular thief that was was crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ. You have heard about that particular woman that was caught in adultery. If Jesus were telling these people that they need to be born again, there would be no problem. But you are talking about Nicodemus. Who was a religious leader he was more like the pope of his own day you know he was like the guy that was controlling the entire religious system in those days and he came to jesus and jesus asked him and said you need to be born again the question is why did jesus tell a man who was supposed to be a religious leader why was the lord jesus christ telling him that he needs to be born again the reason is very simple it's because the need for salvation is not a function of your status the need for salvation is not a function of your position, it's not a function of whether you are popular, it's not a function of whether you have been attending church, it's not a function of whether your father is the pastor, or your mother is the deacon, or whatever, it's not a function of whether you are rich or poor, salvation is a something that is universal it's what every individual needs, salvation is not a function of service, but it's a need, it's a universal need, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 3, in Romans chapter 3 the Bible says, for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. In other words, you have seen, I have seen. The white man have seen, the black man have seen, the Chinese, the Indian, the the, the American, everybody have seen. And that is why there is a need for salvation. So when the Lord, when the Lord Jesus Christ said to him, "You need to be born again," He wasn't looking at the status; He was looking at the human condition. The need for salvation is therefore not a function of status, but a function of a depraved human being, human condition caused by sin. So the question for all is not whether you need to be saved. That's not the question. The question is, have you been born again? That is the question. Have you been born again? Does Christ live in your heart? Do you even know him? Okay? Now, last month we spent a lot of time trying to build the foundation of our faith. We did what was called Back to the Basics. Today we want to be able to start the application of that particular studies, okay? this morning that's why we are going to see if we can apply those stories in our own individual life and we are starting from this particular area what does it mean to be born again what does it mean to be born again what does it mean to be born again John chapter 3 again that we have just read Nicodemus was the religious leader of the Jew came to Jesus by night wanted to know how he can enter into the kingdom and Jesus told him except a man is born again he cannot enter into the kingdom of God Nicodemus then asked the question that everybody should be asking Okay? Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter the second time, can he enter the second time into his, mother, into his mother's womb and be born? That is the question that a lot of people need to be asking. The issue is, how, you know, how can you be born again? That was the question that, uh, that, uh, that Nicodemus was asking and that's the question that we should be asking in our society. How can you be born again? In other words, Nicodemus is asking, what does it mean when you say you are born again? What does it mean when you say you have accepted Jesus into your life? What does it mean when you say that you are connected and you are related to the Lord Jesus Christ? What does it mean? What impact does it have in your life? What changes does it bring into your life? What difference does it make in your life when you say that you are now a child of God? What does it mean? Okay, And I'll be using the word if you're you, for, for a second there. I'll be using the word salvation, born again, conversion. I'll be using them interchangeably, but basically they are all, I'm referring to the same thing. You're having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean? Is it mean that we just show up in church and we say all the nice language, hallelujah praise the Lord, and that's the end of the story? No. What does it mean to be born again? Now, the term born again is one of the most widely used. If you go to any church today, you talk to any Christian, you say, are you born? Oh, yes, I'm born again, and by the grace of God, I was really What does it mean? If you ask 10 Christians, I can assure you, you will get 10 different explanations for what it means to be born again. However... That very question, very few people can give you a clear and a coherent answer to what it means. The question is why? Why is it that, you know, why is it that a, a teaching that is central to the word of God, a teaching that Jesus Christ gave to religious leaders, a teaching that Jesus Christ gave to somebody who was very important in the religious cycle, why is it difficult for Christians to explain it? Why is it very difficult for Christians to tell people what it means to have a relationship with Him? And then we turn around and wonder why people are not accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is this central teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ difficult for Christians to explain? Why is the experience that many Christians claim to have you claim to have difficult to describe? If I ask how many people had breakfast this morning, many of us probably have had breakfast, many of us have not. But for those of us who had breakfast this morning, if I ask you to describe what you ate, it shouldn't be difficult, right? It should be difficult because you ate it. You, you, I mean, you are the one who took it. If anybody has ever been to downtown Nashville, and I ask you to describe downtown Nashville, you might not remember all the details, okay? But at least you have an idea of what it looks like because you have been there. So, if you say you are born again, why is it so difficult to describe the experience? Why is it so difficult to describe the things that we encounter when we encounter Lord Jesus Christ? Why is it so difficult? Why is now? The the, the question that, the, the reason I'm asking this question is because when you are born again, something happens to you. Now, the question, why is it important for you to know the difference? Why is it important for you to know the meaning or the importance of being born again? Or well, let me ask you this other way. For those of us who are married, why is it important for you to know the meaning of marriage? Why is it important for you to know the impact you know to know what it means to be to be married? The simple reason is because it affects every area of your life when you are married. It affects the people you work with. It affects how you dress. It affects how you talk. It affects how you behave. It affects even how you carry yourself. You cannot be married and be like hanging out with other boys in the club. You can't do that. Your husband will not be happy. Okay, so it's a function of when you know the meaning or the reason why you are doing certain things. It affects the way you live your life. And the same thing when we understand when we understand the importance of the meaning of salvation, it affects our relationship with Almighty God. Amen it affects the way we walk with the almighty God when you know what it means to be holy it affects the way you even you know it determines our, our eternal walk with the almighty God can you imagine if you have the opportunity of fellowshipping with the president on a regular basis and the president tells you all the important yeah, security information do you think you are just going to sit in a bar and you start talking about the father? Yes, this is where the nuclear arsenal of the U.S. is. This is where you have the military base. You don't, Do you do that? You don't do that. Because it controls the way you talk. By virtue of your proximity to the presidency or the proximity to power it changes the way you talk it changes the way you behave it changes the people you hang out with it changes the thing that you can where you can associate okay the fact that you are associated with the white house you will not want to go to a bar or a strip club why because you don't want to bring shame to that particular office you don't want to bring shame to the people that you are associated with the same thing when you are born again it changes something about you and that is why you must know the meaning what it means to be born again if a believer cannot explain or describe what it means to be saved it suggests that that individual needs to reevaluate their work with the almighty god you need to reevaluate your work with the almighty god i like to say this that if you and i have the opportunity to meet the president today or meet the president next week it will be an experience you will never forget Anybody ask you the question, say, ah, you will find a way to bring that into a conversation. You will find a way. If you are talking about breakfast, you oh, when I had breakfast at the White House, you will find a way to put it (laughs) in. If you are talking about the suit, oh, did you see the President's suit the last time I was with him? You will find a way to insert it into a conversation because it's an unforgettable experience. The same thing, when you are born again, it has to leave an indelible mark in your heart. Something must happen in your life that you will remember you will remember what happened if you committed a crime today and you went to court okay and you went to court and the judge said that you are found guilty and the sentencing for this particular crime is to be spending 25 years in jail but all of a sudden as the judge was about to step out of his table and out of the out of the bench and he was able to and then he turned around and said okay i look at you you look like a very nice guy you probably made a mistake i'm going to complete that sentence and cancel that 25 years don't worry don't do anything just make sure you don't do it again are you going to ever forget that experience never never common traffic that we get on this freeway on this road here if a policeman stops you and you know you are speeding, or you actually caught a red light, and it gets there and it's about to write. and it looks at you and says, You seem to be a nice person, especially without your African gear. I think I like your dress Okay? And then you decide to say, Okay, I'm not going to give you a ticket, I'll give you a warning. And you go do- to, as soon as you get home, say, Come and see what happened to me. Oh, eh? I ran the red light, police catch me, and he say, I can go because they like my dress. You will never forget it. You will never forget it. So, how come we encounter the King of Kings? How come you encountered the love of the Lord and you cannot tell me you can't remember it? No, can't. And we cannot remember that particular incident. You cannot say this is what happened that day. You cannot say that this is the change that came into my life. Something is wrong. Yeah. And for those who are close to me, I used to say this thing. If you are born again and nothing happens to you, two possibilities. It's either you are not born again or you met the wrong Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because something definitely must happen in your life. Yeah. Something must be definite. You will remember it. You will remember it you will remember it. So our Lord hinted, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ hinted to us to tell you what actually happened, what what it means to be born again. If you read that John chapter 3, in verse number 6, Jesus Christ that he that is born of the flesh is the flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is the spirit. In other words, in other words, when the transformation occurs in your life, something that changes your entire nature, you will know it. You will know it. You will know it. And that is exactly the same thing that Paul the Apostle was saying in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, the Bible tells us there. It said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Say, all things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I used to steal, I don't steal anymore. I used to tell lies, I don't tell lies anymore. I used to do crazy things, I don't do them anymore. My life has now been changed as a result of the encounter. As a result of the encounter. But if the encounter is not real, that is when it doesn't make any difference. That is when it doesn't leave any difference. It doesn't leave any mark. But when we have encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, well, something happens in our life. Something happens in our life. Okay? So what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be saved? We can answer before we answer this question. I want to attend, I want to just make sure we make sure we all are on the same page. Salvation or being born again does not mean to reformation. It doesn't mean therapy. It doesn't mean moral uprightness. It doesn't mean doing good works. It doesn't mean joining a church. It does not mean water baptism. It does not mean healing and deliverance. Because when you ask some people, what does it mean to be born again? You say, yes, I'm a nice guy. I don't I don't I don't swear. I don't drink, I don't do this, I don't do bad things, that doesn't make you sick. That's right. The fact that you are morally upright does not mean that you are saved. The fact that you are doing good works, you give money to charity, does not mean that you are saved. The fact that you are joining a church that praise does not mean that you are saved. The fact that you know how to say glory, hallelujah, doesn't mean that you are saved. The fact that you have been healed, that you received prayer and somebody laid hands upon you and you were delivered and you are free, that doesn't mean you are saved. It simply means you enjoy the mercy of God. The fact that you do anything does not mean that you enjoy that you are saved. What is salvation? John chapter 3, verse 16. Many Christians know this right. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 now says, For God did not send his son to the Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What then does it mean? If you look at John chapter 20, reading from verse number 31, the Bible says, all the things that we read about the Lord Jesus Christ, it say, all are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have eternal life. What then does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be saved? it means believing in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ that sounds very simple it sounds very simple paul the apostle has the same question when after the philippian jail after that particular earthquake in the philippian jail he said the man said what must i do to what we say jesus the apostle told him he said believe in the lord jesus christ okay that is very simple but the question now is does it mean that everybody who say i believe in jesus is that person saved because one of the easiest way, one of the things I find is that anytime I go out and I introduce myself that okay, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor, people find a way to introduce the question. They introduce something. I say, oh, my father used to be a pastor also, or my sister is a priest, or my brother is a missionary. They will find a way to identify with me, okay? And everybody is a Christian. Everybody is born again when it comes to that. The question now is, if being born again means to believe in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, does that mean that everybody who say I believe in Jesus is born again? Is that is that what it means? James Bible tells us in the book of James, read from verse number 20, verse twenty, James two, verse nineteen. It said that you believe that there is one God. That is nice. The interesting thing is that the demons also believe that. That's right. Okay, devils also believe that there is one God, and they don't just believe it. They tremble at the thought of it. Okay, they tremble at the thought of it. So if you say that you believe in Jesus Christ, well, that doesn't mean anything. Okay, because like we said, like James said, it, you know, the, 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 the devils they believe also in it. But if you look at the book of Matthew, chapter 8, Matthew, chapter 8, reading from verse 28, the Bible tells us there. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the gatherings, Genasseh, Genasseh, they met him they are two demon possessed men coming out of the tomb exceedingly fierce so that no one will pass by that way and, stay, and, and suddenly they cried out saying what do we have to do with you Jesus you son of God have you come here to torment us before our time? Mm. these are demons speaking true people okay so, in other words, demons recognize Jesus Christ as as the Son of God. Right. The devils recognize Jesus as the Son of God. So, your special your 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 belief that God that Jesus is the Son of God that you believe the Son of God doesn't make any difference. Okay? In other words, it doesn't grant you any pressure privilege more than the demons because the demons know and they even tremble. The Bible says that they shouted out they cried out they were afraid. So just saying that you believe in Christ is not enough. Saying that I believe in Jesus Christ is not enough. In other words, you must have you, know, you must have more than just a mental asset. You must have more than just a confession of the mouth. You must have what is called the saving faith. Okay? You must have what is called a saving faith. And what is that saving faith? What is that saving faith? Number one, the saving faith is the faith in the person and the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means that you believe that Jesus is who he said he is. You believe that he has come to do what he said he has come to do. You believe He's the one who is able to take away sin from your life. You believe everything that Jesus Christ claimed to be. You believe what has been written about the Lord Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people who believe in the existence of a Jesus There are a lot of people who believe in the historical Jesus There are people who even believe that Jesus is just one of those prophets But you have to believe If you are going to have a saving faith You have to believe him as the one who delivers from sin Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 He, he said, and you shall give back to a son And you will call his name Jesus For he will deliver his people from their sin Unless you believe or you see Jesus as the one who delivered from sin it's the point of time." it is not a saving faith. Number two, what is saving faith? Saving faith is the faith that responds to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. In other words, when you come into the presence of the Word of God, when you, come, when you encounter the Word of God, and the Word of God begins to prompt you and say, you need to move closer to God. You need to move closer to God. It is the Spirit of the Almighty God speaking to you. With saving faith, is the faith that says, this is what God wants me to do. I am willing to respond it is the faith that yields itself to the leading of the holy spirit what is saving faith saving faith is what is the faith that is accompanied by repentance the spirit of the almighty god tells you what you are doing is wrong something within you tells you you know that what you are doing is wrong the saving faith the faith that will bring you into the presence of the almighty god is the faith that says, father i know i have sinned. forgive me my sin yeah If you do not believe God to the extent of repentance, that is not saving faith. Saving faith brings an individual to the point where he says, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Number four, what is saving faith? Saving faith is the faith that results in trust and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ in other words i believe you are the one who is you are the one who is who is the lord jesus Christ. i believe you are the one who came to die for us i believe you are the one who takes away my sin now i am committing myself unto you in other words, if I want to believe God for salvation, I must not just say it with my mouth, I must trust him with my life. Yes. And the same thing that happens when you get married to an individual, you like, the, you like the young lady, or you like the young man, you must trust that young man enough to say, okay, I am willing to spend the rest of my life with you. The same thing, when you say you are working with the almighty God, you must say, I trust you and I'm committing my life into your care for the rest of my life, I'm willing to work with you. That is what saving faith is. Saving faith takes you from the place of just uh, agreeing with the Lord to the place of committing yourself to the Almighty God. Those of us who are here, some of us must have heard me say, the only way you can test trust and commitment is by action. And one of the actions of trust and commitment is like I told you last time if you take this particular chair, you trust that this chair is strong enough to carry your weight you trust that this chair is well built you trust that this chair will not let will not make you fall down what you do then is then you sit down because you trust in the strength of the chair to be able to carry your weight if you don't believe that this chair can carry your weight you will not sit down simple But if you believe that the chair is strong enough to carry your weight, you sit down. If you don't believe that Jesus can save you, if you don't believe that he can heal you, if you don't believe that he can deliver you from the hands of the enemy, you will not trust him. The same thing when I talk about individual. I've used this analogy before. If I don't believe that my sister can give me a million dollars, I will not ask her for a million dollars. But if I believe that she can give me a million, definitely the first request I will send is, sister me you know we need to expand this auditorium oh, I need a million bucks because I know that she can do it today if you don't believe an individual you will not trust them you will not commit yourself so saving faith is the faith that does what that results in trust and commitment in the almighty God number five saving faith saving faith is that is that faith that produces the fruit of a new life the fruit of a new life what is the essence of saying I am married to my wife and I still keep looking at other girls out there what is the essence that means I'm not even ready for marriage. I don't even know what marriage is all about. Okay? What is the essence of saying that I want to work for a particular company, but i do not up for that company, I go to another company to, resolve, to resume every morning. It doesn't make sense. The same thing, if I say I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if I say I trust him with my life, if I say that he's my Lord and my Savior, then what he asked me to do, I should be able to do it, and the result should be seen in my life. He said, don't lie, then I stop lying. He said, don't take, I I don't commit, I I I won't do it again. He said, don't bear false witness, I stop bearing false witness. The things he doesn't want me to do, I stop doing it, because I have committed myself unto him. I used to ask couples, I asked them, why does a man take care of his wife? There are two reasons. It can be true as a result of love or as a result of obligation. Okay, mm. But you don't get married because of obligation, you get married because of love. If you get married because of obligation, that particular marriage will become a monotony, become monotonous. What happens is that there will be no other it. But when you get married because of love, what happens is that you look at your wife and say, I am so lucky to have this person in my life. What happens? When you are coming back from work, you remember to stop at Walmart. No, you don't buy flowers at Walmart. It's not very <laughs> right good. You go to <laughs> www800 flowerscom You go, you know, make sure you get the best one. When you look at it, you, you go online, you see something, you know, you do this thing, not because you want her to love you, but because you are so happy to be in love with that person or to be in company with that person, you are responding to that person by making sure you enjoy their fellowship. That's all. So you don't beg that kind of person to give back woman the money or you don't beg that person to do their responsibility in the house because they know what it means to be related, to be married to that individual. And because of that, every action they do is an expression of love it changes the way they behave it changes the way they talk it changes the way they relate to other people it changes the way they associate with other people when other people try to make fun of that their of their, of their spouse they stand up for that person because number one they are responding in love it changes their life it produces a fruit of a new life they are no longer the sensitive of people the bachelor that used to be very selfish his house are very dirty he doesn't know how to take care of other people as soon as he gets married to a person that he loves it changes everything The way he behaves is different. The woman is, if he doesn't hear from that woman in 10 minutes or in one hour, if they are supposed to have an appointment by 1 o'clock and the person doesn't show up at 1 05, you start seeing him forget it. Is it because, you know, it's because it brings something new out of him. It is love. That is the same thing God is saying. The saving faith is a faith that brings something new out of you. It's what produces obedience, it's what produces love, it's what produces service, it's what produces endurance, it's what produces the gift of the Spirit, the saving thing. It leads you to the point where you begin to produce fruits of new life. And that's why James said, James said that, he says, show me your faith, you know, he said, show me your faith, by your work. your your walk is reflected by the faith that you have, just like I demonstrated for you in the chair, if you believe the chair is strong, you sit down, that is the walk, that is the action of your faith, what is the action of your faith? You cannot just say I love the Lord and born again and born again and born again, and your life does not show it. The Bible says that bring forth fruits of righteousness. In other words, when you have connected with the Lord Jesus Christ, your life must demonstrate it. What you say must demonstrate it. The way you live must demonstrate it. The way you interact with people must demonstrate it. And that is why you see Christians give out a lot of arm, They give a lot of help, a lot of help, not because they are trying to secure heaven, but because they are saying, "I have enjoyed a lot that God has done in my life. How do I show my love? How do I show my appreciation?" Is by talking for the people. So, what does it mean to say? What does it mean? What is what is saving faith? Number six: saving faith is the faith that costs you obedience. Saving faith is the faith that costs you obedience. There is no way that you will say you are walking with the Lord and you will not pay something. It costs you something. It will cost you something. The question is, do you have the saving faith? Do you have the experience of that kind of faith? Faith in Christ that does not take away anything from you is not going to take you anywhere. Any faith that you say you have that does not cost you anything is not taking you anywhere. I can assure you. The Bible says that he that will live righteously will suffer persecution. If you are going to walk with the Lord, it's going to cost you something.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.